Welcome to Fresh Start Church Online. Our mission is to help people find a fresh start through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if we can pray for you or help you in any way. Now here's Pastor Bruce with this week's message. We're continuing in our uh, series called Better Together, and last week I can't tell you how many people walked out of here crying, and that's why Valerie's not here today. I told her never to hit people in the church again, that it just wasn't, just wasn't right. No, I really did see lots of people crying, and I, I, I know that's, you know, God working on our hearts, and we've got burdens, and there's people we care about, and we want to see reconciliation and some relationships and just so many things. But please, let God do whatever he wants to do in your heart, in our church, that he would just work and move and change us. And we talked about Wednesday night in our life group that sometimes God, it, God's more concerned with us than our circumstances. We always want him just to change our circumstances, but God's more concerned with changing us. And it can be painful, and it can be challenging, but it's the best thing in the world is when we say, do that, God. Do whatever it is you want to do in me. Uh, do whatever it is you want to do in my marriage, in my family, my career, and just give him complete reins. Today we're going to talk about another one of the one another's. Um, we're going to talk about encouraging one another. If, if I just give you the word encouragement, or someone is an encourager, Who comes to your mind? Is there someone that in your past, they've just, that person is such an encourager. Man, when I'm with them, they just, I feel better when I'm with them. They encourage me. I just, I just love being around them. I mean, when I was uh, working on this message earlier this week, and I, I, I thought, who's been an encourager in my life? And boy, the, you know, boom, boom, boom. I could just start naming people. Uh, my friend, uh, Eric Brookins is the pastor of uh, Surfside Community Church up in Port St. John. And uh, within days of me stepping down three years ago from being pastor at, at New Hope, Eric called me right away. He said, are you doing okay? I said, yeah. He said, let me take you to lunch. And in the last three years, Eric has done more to reach out to me to say, man, I love you, man. You're just, you know, just such an encouragement. Such an encouragement. And, and frankly, it's rare for pastors to encourage other pastors. Usually it's kind of the other way around. There's usually, you know, politics and all kinds of junk. But the, but, but the pastors that uh, I'm involved with and that are involved in my life have been such an encouragement. I mean, just such an encouragement. And that's so huge. Uh, another person that came to mind was, was a, a pastor's wife when years ago. Uh, we were members of a church in Palm Bay. And and uh, Beth Henley was such an encourager because Beth would come up to you and she would ask about you. And she wasn't just saying, how are you today? And you say, fine. And she really wanted to know. And she always was interested in you. And if you were working on something, she'd say, I'm just so excited for what God's going to do with you and that. And you just walked away feeling better whenever you talked with Beth. Another person that encourages me that probably doesn't have a clue is Barbara Butcher. Yep, she just fainted. We'll wait, we'll wait till she wakes back up. 
uh, once a week, Barbara's the treasurer of our church, so once a week she sends me an email and says, you know, here's how many people are in church, here's what the offering is, here's what the expenses were, and I plug it all into a spreadsheet. And almost every week with that email, Barbara says something. Sometimes she says, boy, yesterday's message really touched me. Sometimes she'll say, yesterday's message really stunk. I'll say, I know, I, you know, it, it did. No, she always just puts some little sentence, you know, just a, a little sentence that's of huge encouragement. I, I've, I've got a folder uh, in my uh, inbox that's called encouragement. And when somebody sends me an email or something, it's encouraging. I save it there. And it's a great thing for all of us to do because... I hate these new thin bottles. They save 10% of plastic and make lots of noise and don't stand up straight. Uh, It's so good to hold on to things that people have sent you, notes they've sent you, or just something, you know, it might be Mother's Day cards, it might be Father's Day cards, things that they've sent you that's an encouragement. It's good to hold on to those things because we forget all that when we're in the depths of despair, when we're in agony. When we're just brokenhearted over something, we think, oh, nobody loves me, there's no hope, there's no... Go back and look at those things. Throw away the bad ones. Don't even, you know, if I get something from, I know it's going to be bad, I don't even open it. But save the good things and be encouraged. Remember uh, those things. You guys have been incredibly encouraging the last couple of months as, as Valerie and I have been uh, dieting. You know, here's what people used to say, even nice people, nice people who loved me. We'd walk in and they'd say, hey, big guy, how you doing? And the first time somebody said that, I thought, who are they talking to? Because I have a mirror that used to be at the carnival. I look really thin when I stand in front of that. So, you know, never in my life would I have people here, some of you saying, you better stop losing weight. You're getting too thin. Never in my life did I think somebody would ever tell me you need to stop losing weight. And I've got a little ways to go. But, but that's just an encouragement. That's an encouragement. I, I, I told you about a pastor that I served with several years ago that came up and poked me in the stomach and said, you need to lose weight. That's discouragement. There's a huge, huge difference, isn't there? Well, let's uh, dive into God's word and, and look at this topic of encouragement. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at lots of verses or they're printed in your outlines uh, or we'll put them up on the screen. But let's just start with Romans chapter 1. Verse 11. And so Paul's writing this to the the, the believers uh, in the city of Rome. And he says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what, when when believers come together, whether it's uh, here on a Sunday morning, whether it's our life groups on Wednesday night, whether you're in your home, you have somebody over, whatever it is, the idea is that... We can, I, I can encourage you, and you can encourage me. Now, sometimes it's very lopsided depending on what's going on in your life at the time. If you have a you know, really, really hard time, then let somebody just come and encourage you. But guess what? That person's going to be having a hard time at some point, and you get to be the one to go encourage them. But what a great thing when believers come together and we can encourage each other because we see things in people differently than they see them in themselves. Sometimes we see gifts in people that they have no clue they've got that gift. 
In fact, they, you know, made just think, oh, I, you know, I can't do it. Oh, no, you'd be great at this. You'd be great. You'd be great. And so when we encourage each other, and I'm not talking about fluff. I'm not talking about making up things. But when we encourage people and let them encourage us, we, we both end up blessed. We both end up feeling better, feeling stronger. It, it just builds up our lives. It builds up our soul. And it builds up our church. Once a month, I meet with a group of church planter pastors from Titusville down to Stewart and sometimes further. And uh, it, it would be awesome to actually videotape or record our meetings together. And none of us would allow that because we spill our guts. But it would be fascinating to actually keep track because here's what happens. Every month, there's one guy with a crisis. One guy that's just wrestling with something really big, and everybody else is able to encourage that person and say, oh, man, do I feel for you. I had, you know, and they, what did you do when that happened? Well, here's what I did. And, and Or that happened, but there's hope. There's hope. It's a good thing. Don't, don't let it kill you. Don't let it crush you. The next month, that guy's doing great. Somebody else is going through something. And so it's just awesome to see how God kind of rotates people that, that, that have uh, something going on in their life that they're struggling with. And the rest of us can sit there and encourage that person. It's just such a blessing to be able to do that. And that's one of the purposes of our new life groups that we're starting is that, you know, we've all got stuff going on. And a lot of us have the same kind of stuff going on. But by being together and being able to speak into each other's lives and offer some hope, encouragement, or sometimes just a hug is just an awesome part of community as we uh, grow as a, a new church. Let's look at another verse, Hebrews 10, verse 24 and verse 25. Uh, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. Notice it said, think of ways. Let's think of ways. That means it's intentional. We don't just, you know, get together and go, oh, yeah, I should have, you know, I should have said something. I didn't think about it till later. No. When we're together, we want to think of ways that we can encourage each other. Think of ways that we can build each other up. And, and notice that it says uh, motivate one another. Motivate. How do you motivate someone? Well, not by telling them, here's what you need to do, now do it. Here's what, let me light a fire under you. No, that's not it. You, you motivate someone by encouraging them. You really can do this. God really has gifted you for this. Go ahead and do it. I'm with you. I'm behind you. I'll help you. We can encourage someone. And, and, and another great way of, motivation, of motivating someone is, let's do it together. How about if you and I go do such and such? And that person goes, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. They just didn't want to do it. Alone, And so as we get to know each other, as we build relationships, and especially through life groups, because, you know, you, you build relationships far faster when you're in a smaller group of people and you're just spilling your guts. And you know it's a safe place. And you know that you're not the only one because you think you are, but as soon as you spill your guts, everybody else goes, yeah, me too. Oh, you think you're depressed? No, I'm depressed. Oh, you think you're, oh, no. You know, we've all got lots of stuff going on. And it's awesome that we can motivate each other by saying, how about if you and I go do this together? 
And sometimes that's all we need is somebody else to do it with me. Somebody, maybe I'm afraid. Maybe I feel insecure. Maybe I don't think I'm good enough. Somebody else to do it with me. And you know the best thing that happens when we do things together is we're getting to know each other even better as we do some service project or some ministry or outreach together. We get to know people even better. I, I remember a couple that uh, they both single, both probably in their 40s, uh, maybe late 40s, and they started coming to weekly work days at the church. They hadn't even met each other. They didn't even know who, who the other person was, but they started coming to these uh, work projects every week. And every week they would paint or trim shrubs or whatever the task was that week. But God used that time to build a relationship together, and they ended up almost getting married. Uh, I'm thrilled that they didn't because I did their pre-marriage counseling, and hopefully I was the cause of them not getting married. And now they're both thrilled that they didn't get married too. But they were building a relationship because they were side-by-side painting stuff, side-by-side trimming shrubs. And so it's just an awesome thing when we say, as, as Christ followers, when we say to another member of our church family, let's do it together. Let's do it together. And notice it says, don't stop meeting together. Don't stop meeting together. You know, if I'm not here on a Sunday morning, I can't encourage anyone. If you're not here, you can't encourage anyone and maybe even more important if you're not here no one can encourage you and i get it i get that when you know i just i just can't make it i just can't i just can't be around people i can't be around but what we want this church family to be is the very place you want to run to because life is hard. It's the very place you want to run to so that your brothers and sisters in Christ can, can pray for you and love on you and pray with you and, and help you seek God's answers together. The United States of America is at, at record highs as far as uh, the number of people who say they're Christians and I assume they are. I can't judge that. But people that say, yes, you know, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I mean, they would agree with basic uh, tenets of the faith that we would agree with. But they don't go to church anymore. It's the largest segment of our society and our country's history of people who say, I'm a Christian, but I stay home. And I get it. I really get it. Uh, but what happens is... You know, not only does the Bible say don't stop meeting together, as some people are doing. It's because God has formed us to be part of a family. He hasn't formed us to be individuals off doing our own thing. He's formed us to be a family, to be in community. That's why from the very beginning, God said it's not good for man to be alone. God wants us to have relationships. He wants us to have authentic relationships with other people who are following Christ. And he wants us to be able to have relationships, reach out and have relationships with people that don't know Christ yet. But coming together, you know, my desire is that our church would become a place that regardless of how bad things are, I mean, I have to get to church. I just have to. I mean, uh, I know Valerie, if, if she's missed a week or two, which is very, very rare, she'll go, oh man, I, I, 
I miss it. I want to go worship with other people. I want to go be with people. I want to be with the family. And so our, our desire, and all of us are going to play a part in this, our desire is that we become a place that's so loving and so encouraging that regardless of what anybody's going through, you either want to come because you need encouraged, or you want to come because God is doing great things in your life and you want to encourage others. You know, people, fascinates me, people that have probably never read the Bible that tell you what the Bible says. Well, Jesus never said he was God. Oh, really? Well, how, how many verses would you like to see? You know, well, I don't have to go to church. I can, you know, I can worship God, especially here in Central Florida. I can worship God all by myself on the beach. Absolutely. You can worship God in the shower. You can worship God in the car. But corporate worship, the family of God getting together, is God's plan. He, he never intended for us to, to live on our own. He always intended for us to be part of, of community with other believers. And then finally it says encourage each other. Encourage each other. You know why I think this is such a big deal? In fact, we're going to talk about it again in a totally different way next week, but we're going to talk about this idea of encouraging each other. You know why I think this is so, so important? Is for most of us, we don't get encouragement anywhere else. I mean, how many of you, uh, and don't please don't raise your hand, especially don't point, how many of you say, my spouse, my husband or my wife, man, they always encourage me? I would guess that's a pretty low percentage. How many of you, if your kids, would say, my parents really encourage me? My mom did. I didn't realize till years, years, years later what a blessing that is. And how much you really loved me and showed that and tried to encourage me. How many of you go to work, you work for someone else, and your boss or your supervisor, your employer, encourages you throughout the week? I mean, really, if we were taking a test, it'd be like negative 500, I think. I mean, people, we just, we go through our week and very few people encourage us. But we all need encouragement. So how do we do that? How do we encourage each other, because it's got to start here. How do we encourage each other? Uh, look, look with me at Ephesians 4, starting in verse 29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. See, most encouragement is verbal. Now, I can just show up in the hospital, and, you know, if you're having surgery or something, I can just show up and, and physical presence could be an encouragement to people. Uh, a note or a letter we send can be an encouragement to people. There's lots of things that encourage, but usually encouragement comes out of our mouth. Usually it's something we say to someone. And so uh, it's so important for us to, to look at the, the value of our words. So, so verse 29 starts off, don't use foul or abusive language. You know, I I think this is probably one of the most ignored verses in the Bible. I'm, I'm thinking of writing a book. The part of the Bible everybody ignores. <laughs> it's probably a pretty big part. Because there's just things that we look at and think, yeah, but that's not a big deal. Yeah, but that's not a big deal. We just kind of discount it or discard it. Uh, there was a time, and not too many years ago, where Christians really <clears throat> believed 
this. And you just didn't hear bad language coming from Christian's mouths, at least, you know, not until they hit their thumb with a hammer or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't normal. And if someone did say something in front of you, they would apologize. Even if they weren't a Christian and they knew you were, they might apologize for what they just said. Now, nobody cares. I mean, nobody apologizes for nothing. They just say whatever they want to say, anytime, anywhere, without even thinking about it. And I'm not sure that it's any different with Christians or non-Christians these days. I know lots of pastors that use bad language, and it's not because Something just happened to them. It's part of their vocabulary. Some of it do. Some of them do it when they're preaching, and and, and I don't know. They're just trying to push the envelope as far as they possibly can. Uh, but this verse really couldn't be any clearer. Don't use foul or abusive language. The, the the word. Let me just let me just show you the. I don't usually do this, but let me just show you the the Greek word there for foul. Language. It's sopros. And, and, and look at the definition. Rotten, this is foul language. Rotten, putrefied, corrupted, no longer fit for use, worn out, of poor quality, bad, unfit for use, worthless. That's what the original word meant when we read this word foul language. That's pretty heavy stuff. I mean, honestly, regardless of what your habits are, your language habits, if, if you just read this, you'd say, whoa, that's not good. Nobody, nobody should do that. And yet it's just very, very common today. It also says don't use abusive language. And, and abusive language, I mean, certainly foul language, bad words can be abusive. But abusive language can come from somebody that never uses a bad word, that never uses a foul word. Abusive language is anything that hurts Someone, anything that tears people down or pushes them down or crushes them instead of lifting them up. And and so uh, abusive language is the exact opposite of encouragement. It's the exact opposite. It tears down. Encouragement builds up. And, you know, when we use abusive language towards someone, that someone was made in the image of God. And so really we're belittling the value of the image of God. And if we say things about another believer that, that, that are abusive, we're attacking a child of God. And God takes that pretty seriously. So it says don't use foul or abusive language. But here's the alternative. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's what we want to do. If we want to encourage people, we want to say things that are good, good things to say, and good for them. We want to say things that are helpful, and that builds up individuals. It builds up a church family. It builds up the kingdom of God. You know, the interesting thing is, I think all of us like to be encouraged. We all like being around an encourager, somebody that's really, I mean, we're all supposed to encourage but there are people that that's their gift. Is they're just an encourager? They just walk in the room and start encouraging you, and and it's great to be around those kind of people. And you love it when somebody's focused on you and they're and they're kind of you know encouraging you in whatever area it is. It feels so good to be with people like that. I'm so thankful for people that encourage me. It feels so bad when someone discourages. 
It feels so bad when somebody does the exact opposite and they put you down or they criticize, they judge, they condemn, and you just kind of get lower, 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 lower. I hate being around people like that. I really do. If I see somebody like that in Walmart, I know I should just stop and pray for them. I don't. I go down a different aisle. I back up the cart and take I don't want to be around people like that. Not because I'm so much against them. It's because I'm so much like them. When I'm with a discouraging person, I can get discouraged and I can discourage others. It's kind of contagious either way. When you're with a negative person, I used to work, I used to have two guys on staff that were sarcastic people. Sarca- anything that was said, man, here came, the, here came the jab, here came the jab. I hated it. You know why? Because I'm a very sarcastic person. You get three sarcastic people together, it's it's. One-upsmanship. You say something sarcastic to me, oh, wait till you hear this one. Oh, no, okay, and the next guy. I mean, literally, we just sit there and build up our mountain of sarcasm. And one day, it finally hit me. I think it's called something like the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it hit me one day. This is terrible. This is terrible because I just make one little jab, and you add to it, and you add to it, and all of a sudden, we're all bloody and wounded, and this is terrible, especially since it was church staff. And so I said, guys, we got to stop this. This is crazy. We all have the same problem. Therefore, we need to not do this at all anywhere, but we need to not start feeding each other's fuel because when you're, when you're with someone who's a discourager, it's so easy to start being like them, start discouraging. And so it's far better for us to spend time with people that lift us up, that encourage us, that want the best for us, that want to see God's best accomplished in our lives. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It wouldn't that be a great litmus test? We're about to say something to somebody and we stop and say, is this going to be good for them? Is this going to be helpful? And if not, what if we just kept our mouths closed? How much better off we'd be? How much better off I'd be if I had kept my mouth closed far more often? Abusive words just discourage and destroy, but good words, helpful words, loving words, encourage and build up. Verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. If we abuse people with our language, if we discourage people with our language, we're actually hurting the heart of God. It's not just the person that we're hurting. We're hurting the heart of God. Verse 31 tells us what to do, how to deal with this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, and that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible isn't just don't, 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 don't. The Bible almost always, when God says don't do that, instead do this. There's another option. It's, it's not, you know, God's not a cosmic killjoy. Uh, he doesn't just say no to everything. He, he has alternatives that are better for us. It's better for everyone. So I love the word instead. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. 
See that contrast again? We either encourage people or we discourage people. We either build them up or we tear them down. We either hurt them or heal them. If we could remember to treat one another as God has treated us, it would change everything. It would change everything. I wouldn't judge you anymore. I wouldn't condemn you anymore. I wouldn't look down on you anymore. If I stopped and thought, well, look what God did for me. I deserve far more judgment, but look what God did for me. Look what he did for me. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11 says, Encourage each other and build each other up. Build each other up. When we do that, when we invest in someone's life, and we just intentionally try to look for ways of encouraging them and building them up. It, it, it pleases the heart of God. It's good for that person. It's good for us to know, hey, I, I contributed. I tried to help that person. I tried to encourage them. Now, people with the real gift of encouragement, they don't even think about it. They just do it. They just do it. They just do it. You just drown them and they, and they just do it. But for most of us, you know, it's harder. It has to be intentional. And and, and yet, if we realize I'm playing a role, God can use me. He can use the words that I speak and the things that I do. He can use me to build up people's lives, which will bring him glory. What an awesome job description. If we all got business cards that said, encourager, encourager. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. You know what what I hate? doing when I'm with an encourager? Somebody like George. George is an encourager. George walks in. George goes, hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, how's your back? Hey, how's your... George is so encouraging. I hate to tell you the truth. Because you're like, so up. I want to be up with you. I don't want to say, well, here's how I'm really doing. I finally got to see the back specialist. And he said, I'm, it's 30 years, he's only seen one person worse. And you know, here's what he wants to do. He's just going to decapitate me. It was cheaper as far as the, you, know, you know what you do. But I, I didn't want to tell you that. You come walk in, I don't want to say, well, here's how I'm really doing, George. Because I, I, you know, I, I don't like people to do that. So I try not to do that. But, but you see, it, it's almost like when, it, when you're around an encourager, they're so encouraging, you don't want to let them down. You want to kind of rise up to their, you know, oh, they have this. They, they, they think I can do this. They say I can do it. Okay. And we kind of rise up. And that's good for us. It's good for us because when we rise up, we're leaving a lot of junk behind. So keep encouraging me. Keep encouraging me, George. Build each other up. Build each other up. Romans 15, verse 4. Says that's, that's one of the things uh, that the Bible does. The scriptures give us hope and encouragement. The scriptures give us hope and encouragement. All throughout the Bible, there's hope and there's encouragement. And, and one of the things I love about the Bible is it's, it's not like one of these little fluffy books. My, my mother-in-law, if you ever need a little fluffy book, you know, they're about that thick and, and, you know, big font. There's about six words on a page, little fluffy books. And they just, you probably all have some. The little cute sayings, little cute things, little, you know, and she's got like a stack of them in the bathroom. Little fluffy books. The Bible's not like those. It's not just here's a little fluff. 
The Bible doesn't you know, try to make anything other than God look good. It tells the truth. We see the bad examples. We see the terrible things people did to each other. We see the terrible things the Christians did to each other. We, we see all that. And, and we see all the pain that people went through. And we see all the suffering they went through. And it helps us because, oh, I can identify. Their life wasn't easy either. I'm not the only one. And yet look at what happened to that guy's life throughout his story in the Bible. And... Look how God used him, or look how the story ended, or look at what happened. There's hope for me. The problem is, you know, if we have a headache, we go grab some Tylenol. If we got a backache, we either go grab an ice pack or a heating pad. But when we're discouraged, or when we feel hopeless, do we go grab the Bible as quickly as we would medicine out of the medicine cabinet? I don't. I mean, sometimes I do, but it's not the first thing that enters my mind is I'm really down. I think I'll just start reading God's word. That's exactly what I should do. But sometimes when you're down, you think I just can't do it. And that's why we need to come together and encourage each other. And that's why we need to come together on Wednesday nights in our life group and, and study God's word together. Because God's word gives us hope and it gives us encouragement. It's it's spiritual food. It's the best thing for us. You know, there's a couple times in uh, in the Gospels where Jesus used the word encouraged. They they brought a paralyzed man to him once and and he's on a mat and and they brought him in and, and Jesus said be encouraged. Your sins have been forgiven. And the man was healed, and the religious people were mad. Who is this guy saying he can forgive sins? Well, you've got, excuse me. But, you know, he said, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. He, he's walking through town one day, and this lady that's been bleeding for 12 years. You think your pain's been lasting a long time. 12 years this lady's been bleeding, and she walks up and just touches him. And he turned around and said, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And she was healed right then. So Jesus was encouraging people by meeting them where they were and by, and by healing them, by praying for them, by recognizing their pain, recognizing what they were dealing with, and he solved it for them. One more verse, 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. When you guys write, does anybody actually write letters anymore? I can't, I mean, I can't read my own writing anymore. I'm just so unused to writing. Everything's on the computer. But if if you're writing someone a note, a letter, or an email, probably doesn't work with a text, but if you're writing someone and you're getting down to the end, is that for you a place where, like, okay, what's the, what, what's the most important thing? I really want them to get. I really want them to know that I love them, or I really want them to know that I forgive them, or I really want... I mean, the end of the letter is like, okay, I've written all this stuff, but is my last shot. I just really want to place extra thought, extra value on these last few words. And so Paul's writing these last few words... 
of this letter. And he says, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. And then the God of love and peace will be with you. Notice that he ties maturity and encouragement together. As we grow in our relationship with Christ, as we mature spiritually, it should be evident. It should be evident because we start encouraging people instead of discouraging them. We start pointing people to God's word. We start pointing people to God's answers and God's solutions and God's plans so that we can encourage them. And and that's part of our spiritual maturity. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Spiritual maturity isn't connected to head knowledge. I've known some people that had more theological training years and years and years and years and years and years, degrees and degrees and degrees and degrees and degrees. Didn't you want to be around them? Nothing other than head knowledge seemed to be there. There didn't seem to be any love for Christ. There didn't seem to be any any activity, any serving him. They just loved learning, and learning is a great thing. But spiritual maturity is based on, you know, what we believe, yes, but what are we doing? What are we doing? I can just say I should encourage you, but if I don't go encourage you, it doesn't matter what I know about all these one another's. It doesn't matter if I memorize every one another that's in the Bible. If, if I'm not doing them, I'm missing out on obeying God. You're missing out. I'm missing out on the relationship and the, and the, and the blessing that comes from being together. We all need encouragement. And we all need To become encouragers. And it's got to be intentional. Because it's not easy. If you're not already an encourager. It's not easy to all of a sudden become an encourager. It takes takes intentionality. I have to say, God, help me to encourage. Help me to encourage this person in this situation and this time. God, give me the words to say so that I can encourage this person. If there's somebody here this morning... That you need to encourage before you leave. Maybe you know what they're going through. You know they're struggling with their health or their finances or relationships, whatever it is. Is there somebody here that you need to encourage? If there is, please don't leave without doing that. Please don't leave without doing that. Is there someone here that you've been discouraging or or, or you you've been putting them down or tearing them down instead of building them up if there is please don't leave here without apologizing to them apologizing for stuff like that seems really hard to do but it's so rare that it just it just blows somebody's mind when you when you apologize to them it just blows their mind maybe it's been a big burden and it's been hurting them and it's just gone maybe there's somebody here they're not here they're not part of our church family but somebody somewhere else that you know i've been i've been using abusive language i've been discouraging them i've been talking down i've been tearing them down i need to go home and call them and apologize 
over the years that I've been in ministry, some of the most amazing reports come from people who say, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it right now. I've had people years later tell me in a conversation or send me an email, say, remember that time you said that if there was, you know, somebody that we had a broken relationship and I, you know, that I just needed to forgive them. And I went home that day and I called and I forgave them. And man, all of a sudden, you know, we're back together. And it's fixed. I love hearing those stories. I love hearing those stories because that's what God wants to do. That's what he wants to do. Maybe you're an encourager but somebody's been discouraging you. And maybe before you leave here, you need to forgive them. It's hard. It's hard. It's far easier to just read through the Bible and close it and put it away and not do any of it. But when we start doing it, God changes our lives. And we find out that it doesn't matter how hard it is to follow Jesus. That it's the only place to go. I love it when people were just dropping like crazy. They were just, you know, Jesus is gone and he's heading towards the cross day after day. It's getting closer and and people are kind of backing off. And he turns and says, you guys going to leave me too? And I love the response. Where would we go? Where would we go? Oh, I have doubts about faith. I have doubts about God. I have questions. I have all kinds of stuff. But here's what I know. I've already been everywhere else. There is nowhere else to go but follow God. There is nowhere else. There is. I may not understand it all. I never will. That's okay. There's no place else to be than following God. There's no better place for us than trying to obey him and trying to apply what we learn from his word, try to live it out daily, and our life changes, and, and, and our families change, and our businesses change, and our church changes, and our community changes. I want to pray for us. And just take a minute and just get silent before the Lord. You might start by just saying, God, would you help me become an encourager? God, would you help me see people like you see them? And value them like you value them? So I won't put them down. But instead I'll try to build them up. It's one of those kind of prayers that God's just waiting to answer. But we can't do it on our own. We need him. Or if there's somebody on your heart that you know what they're going through. Pray for that person right now. And if they're here, then before you leave, just go up and encourage them. Maybe just go up and say, I'm going to be praying for you every day. Or if there's somebody you need to ask forgiveness of, or you just need to forgive them. Just let God show you those things this morning. Father God, I thank you that you're the God of hope.
and encouragement. I thank you, God, that when we read your word, we can relate to all the people, this tough stuff they went through and the tough stuff we go through. I thank you, God, that your word is alive and it can transform our lives. Father, I pray that you would help each of us do the tough stuff of encouraging people, even people we may not really like, God, that we would just try to become encouragers. And God, help us to forgive anyone that's been discouraging us and give us the strength, God, to ask forgiveness of anyone that we've been discouraging to. And let us, God, from this day forth, intentionally look to encourage each other. That we might all desire to be here together with our church family more than anywhere else. God, thank you that despite all our messes and all our mistakes, you love us and you want to use us. You want to do incredible things in our hearts and in our lives. And you want to use us to do incredible things. For your kingdom. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together again this week. As you go with us as we leave this place and help us to live as Christ followers every day of the week. In Jesus' name.